Hi, I'm Erin Marcus, former corporate executive turned entrepreneur and founder and CEO of Conquer Your Business. Welcome to the Ready Yet podcast. We're excited to bring you more than 100 episodes of interviews and insights designed to help entrepreneurs get the financial and emotional freedom they need in order to build a business and a life they're proud of. Hello, 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 and welcome to this episode of the Ready Yet podcast. I am really excited to share my guest story, today's guest story with you. Ginny Opal was referred to be none other than by Rochelle Kitchen, who if you haven't caught that episode, go back and listen to that episode. I love Rochelle. And so of course, she only introduces me to the most amazing people. And I'm excited to share your story with everyone, Ginny, because your book title in action. And I am so all about the action. So I love people who recognize that you can plan and you can dream and you can hope, but let's face it, the action is where the magic happens. So why don't, before we get into our big old conversation about who you are and what you do and how you got there and what's next and all the ups and downs in between, why don't you give everybody a bit of a more formal introduction to who you are and what you do? I would love to. Uh, first of all, thank you so much for having me on, Erin. Um, love your podcast team. Thank love you. Rochelle. Yes. Her, her book and my book came out around the same time. So we were, um, you know, collaborators in some way. We were on the journey together. And it's a, it's a first book for both of us. And uh, as you can imagine, as a first-time author, the, the dichotomy between action and inaction plays out. <laughs> every, All sorts of ways. I've been there. Every single it. moment, right? <laughs> yes. um, and and the, the fact of my life is that I actually never meant to write a book. I've had a corporate career of over 20 years. I'm originally from India, moved here for grad school, stayed on, and was fairly happy with how my career progressed in e-commerce, telecom, and retail. Of course, the pandemic came along. And like many others, I found myself without a job. And at first, I wasn't happy about it at all. I because imagine. I found <laughs> it was it's, it's like I found myself in these long periods of inaction, downtime. And I hated it because I'm used to being constantly on the go, busy, having stuff to do. And uh, I'm also single, so I live by myself. So it kind of was, you know, the perfect storm of really having not much to do. I don't know what's worse. I, I've talked about this with my boyfriend. I've talked about this with other people. I don't know what would have been worse. I know I hear horror stories of families who she worked, he worked, the kids were in school. Right. And now all of a sudden, five people are never not together. And the flip side of individuals who are alone all the time. Yeah, I, I don't know either because I have family who live very nearby who are exactly what you described, a millennial working couple with two little boys. And because I'm family, I'm, you know, I, I feel like for both of us, we became each other's lifeline. Absolutely. Because I was there to help them and they were there to keep me sane in a way. But have someone to talk to. <laughs> I, I don't know which one is worse either. Um, but the interesting thing that happened during the pandemic is as I was reflecting on my own life and my career, which I have always been very happy about, and I considered myself very successful. I was uh, until recently vice president of a $12 billion firm. And I thought, you know, things are going well. But I noticed something interesting, Erin, as much as I normally before then, my story about myself would have always been about the action I took. 
look, I did this. I took this bold action. I took a wow. risk and then great things happened. You and me both. Yeah. But yes. during the pandemic, as I kind of reflected a bit deeper into really what was going on in my life around those big, bold moves and the pivots I made, the fact is before every big, bold move, there was a period of what I would have called downtime, mm. which I don't like being in. I hate it. So in my storytelling, I would neglect that part because I don't want to talk about it. Right? <laughs> So it kind of, the, the book started with a question in my mind on what really drives fantastic results, not the incremental run of the mill results, but great results. Is it the action you took, which is of course, there's evidence, it's tangible, or is it those moments of reflection where the new idea is born? Yeah. The biggest irony of my life, a happy irony is, look what came out of the period of inaction imposed on me by the pandemic, a book, which I never meant to write. It, well, it wasn't in my scheme of things to do before I die even, but here I am an author and my book has won a couple of awards. It's won three awards, which I, I'm so proud of as a first time author. Of course, I didn't quite expect that. So anyway, the thesis of the book is it's fine for you to take action, but for those of us who consider ourselves very action oriented, it is more important to reflect and pause every now and then before jumping into action and you get better results. Well, and I wonder, as I'm listening to your story, it's really interesting because I have my own version of this that I'll share with you because I'd love to hear what you think. Because I have the same background. There's no moments of inaction when I was in inaction, you know, not, not action. Right. Um, I would feel very floaty. I would feel very lost. I'd feel mm-hmm. very untethered. I would get extremely bored. And like you, it was come on, come on, come on. When's the next action? And it just makes you wonder, did we gloss over the inactivity because we didn't like it? Or were we, have we been taught that action is where it's at? And so we just were so busy being busy. We didn't notice, like we never even took the reflection time to notice where the ideas for the next action came from, if that even right. makes sense. If you followed me there, like we I think do. that action leads to action. Right. We think that's how it's supposed to work. There are two elements I speak to in the book. One is of course your unwillingness to acknowledge those moments of downtime because they were hateful for people like you and me, like the narrative, the voice hateful in my head. is an understatement. Right. right. The voice in my head is constantly prodding me. You're not doing enough. You're not doing enough. So I feel like those are wasted moments, whereas the productive moments were when I took action. So that is the nature of very ambitious. I, I talk about action bias, which is not a disorder, but it's a bias. And it can be seen the most in ambitious people as much as you would say that this ambitious person took great action, but they struggle with the moments of inaction, which is where they get their ideas. So it's an interesting psychological phenomenon. The other factor that comes into play, Erin, is we are storytellers. Humans are storytellers. It is far easier for me to tell the story of my life in terms of tangible milestones, which always center on an action. It is very boring for me to say, oh, I sat around doing nothing for a year. Like, that's not a story. Right. Even if you're impressed temporarily, there's all like, that's not a story. The story is I wrote a book. Yes. Very, very, very true. Yeah. It makes me laugh. So I was recently, I just, 
it reminds me, I was recently in New Orleans and we took a haunted tour, not a creepy tour, but a haunted tour, all the haunted places in New Orleans. And the story is never, she was a lovely lady who met a nice gentleman and they lived a nice life. And now she haunts the house forever, right? No, that's never the story. Like you said, I sat around. I didn't know what to do with myself. I ate too much bad food. That's not the story that anybody wants to hear. Nobody wants to hear that, right? Right. So we make up then, we fill in the gaps. We just talk about the moments of action because that's glorified, that's glamorized, that makes us look good to ourselves and to the world. So those are two elements which make us so biased towards action, even though if you were to be really honest, you know, many people tell me I get the best ideas in the shower or when I was Exactly. I was wondering, I went on a sabbatical and I came back with this great idea for a new business. So people, it's like, we don't, that's a story we don't want to tell. <laughs> and well, and I think it. it's also hard. It's not even don't want to tell. It's like, don't know what to do with it. Because as I've started my entrepreneurial journey and I've needed, not when I owned a franchise, but when it's been my business, my ideas, my product, me as the product, um, the ideas, like I, I started studying the idea of meditation. I started studying mindset and in all those teachings is about getting quiet. Right. Which I can tell you, I had no idea how to do that. Like I have quiet, it's called sleeping. Like there's no in between. And I've had to learn not just get quiet, but that there's not one right way. Like ideas in the shower. You can't like spend hours and hours in the shower. You run out of hot water. But what's my version of inaction that allows those ideas to come through? Right. That's such an interesting point. Uh, I want to share an experience that happened with me during the writing of the book. So I have been a meditation practitioner since 2008. And I swear by it. And yet there are many people I meet who are trying meditation and they give up very quickly. And in the book, I write about why it's our action bias that actually gets in the way of us giving up meditation. However, the other interesting thing that came up, so I did a ton of research. I interviewed more than 35 people in in many different countries. And I came across research that seemed to suggest that mind wandering is good for creative ideas to come through. And as a practitioner of meditation, I always thought mind wandering is a bad thing. It's the mind that goes in the past and the future, and it never stays in the present moment. So I was a sworn anti-mind wandering person, right? And now I come across this research that says that there are parts of the brain that light up when you are letting your mind wander. And mind wandering, I'm just- Wander, like just freely wander. Literally let it go. And you disengage, like you're not listening. It's, it's like you, you may have gone for a walk, but don't plug in music in your ears because your, your, your brain is then processing the signals. So when you're truly mind wandering, which means your sense organs are not engaged or, or minimally engaged, there are parts of the brain that light up. And those parts of the brain, when they light up, it's called the default, default mode network. It connects the dots between information you have been gathering. And that's when these aha moments happen. So people who tell me that they get their best ideas in the shower, I tell them your default mode network is active. So instead of waiting for it to happen accidentally, why don't you actually sit down and let your mind wander, which is the oddest thing. Even to me, it was bizarre. (laughs) 
but I, of course I'm experimenting because I'm trying all the techniques I talk about in the book. It was, Erin, I cannot tell you how many times I got stuck with a chapter, with a concept and writing a book is a deadline driven activity, right? I gotta get it out. The number of times I have had to walk away from it, do something completely counterintuitive. My default is button up, force, just, just plow my way through it. But I would walk away from it and just stare into empty space and let the mind go. It was almost miraculous how many ideas came up, phrases, sentences would come up. And then I would, of course, take action. So my book is not about inaction for the sake of it. It is about taking inspired action allowing inspired ideas to come through. And then of course, take action on that. And then of course, take action. I love that because what I've learned to do is I get my ideas, yes, in the shower, but also when I'm doing things I don't have to think about. So I'm doing things that I've done enough times that are not difficult. So you're going to laugh. I volunteered a wildlife rescue on Fridays. Mm. And so it's just, cleaning and chopping, but like I'm cleaning up enclosures and I'm chopping vegetables to feed and fruits and things to feed animals. And there's certain times that I have to pay attention. For example, if they're trying to escape, if they're trying to, you know, when I'm cutting things, but there's a lot of that job that is in the middle of a forest outside surrounded, immersed by nature. And it's not something I have to pay attention to. Right. And so the other volunteers laugh at me because I keep a notepad inside next to my water and my phone because almost every time I come back in I've got the next idea that came to me just like you said when I've disengaged from what I'm worried about when I'm disengaged right. from what I'm trying That's to figure such out. a brilliant brilliant example you've shared from your life and thank you for sharing it loving what you're learning here and interested in more Check out our free Facebook group and join us at Conquer Your Business Community to find even more tips and tools designed to help you get out of reaction mode and into conquering your own business. Uh, Lately, when I do interviews, I've started talking to people about developing restorative habits. Mm. And the, the word restorative I actually had a conversation with a neuroscience professor out of UCLA. And in the conversation, my my question to her was, you know, there are some people who don't like meditation. There are some people who are just physically active and they, I I can't tell them meditate because that's not their cup of tea. Even mind wandering, anything sedentary is not their cup of tea. So in that conversation, what emerged as I understood was For everybody, there are a set of restorative activities which disengage you from your normal life. It could be a little physical where you're on autopilot. It could be baking. I remember meeting a woman who said, whenever I'm stressed, I go knead dough. (laughs) Like it's so (laughs) restorative. Yes. Autopilot. It's you're letting your mind settle. You're decluttering your thoughts and your worries and anxieties. And your mind figures itself out. Like it figures out the solution to the problem that you were otherwise butting heads with. (laughs) Yes. And I think one of the keys that I've learned, because for me, while I wasn't studying exactly what you were studying, one of the things that I have learned to do, and it's become a habit, is observe myself. Mm. Observe my behavior. Observe what's happening. Observe what happened before the thing that happened. 
And what I've learned is the activity that allows my mind to wander has to be a very base level right. activity, cleaning, right? Something like you said that you don't have, you don't have to engage too much of yeah. your mind power. Yeah. Yep. That's it. That's it. I think it's a good idea to develop a couple of those in your life. And the other thing I'm, I've started, I find myself telling a lot of people when they ask for direct advice and techniques is try inserting them throughout the day. You know, we are no longer operating in the nine to five world anymore. And I don't think it's going to come back just as work is creeping into your life. And in some cases, people can't help it. Insert these restorative breaks throughout the day. Maybe people don't have a day to take off, but you will probably find 10 minutes in the day. Normally what people do is they take the 10 minutes and they scroll social media or they check up on the news, which is pretty sad these days. And it's not going to help. It's not going to be game changing for you to know what happened since five hours ago. (laughs) Three hours ago, right? Right. So let it go. Let it go. Take the 10 minutes and go to your restorative activity, which could be a simple walk. It could be um, doodling whatever is accessible to you, but develop three or four go-to activities and insert them throughout the day. It's don't underestimate how powerful the effect of diffusing the tension, it it diffuses the tension as it builds up during the day. So instead of waiting for the weekend or the week night to crash, just introduce this restorative break throughout the day. Well, and what I've What I, and I've never thought of it quite the same way, but what I recommend a lot is to use that to reset between activities. So if you're in a creative mode in the morning and you're writing your content, do something physical in nature to disengage and let your mind know that is over. And now when I sit down, I'm going to be working on the next thing. And the other um, recommendation I have is get a dog. Because I, I literally use taking the dogs outside yeah. as exactly what you're talking about. And there's no options. You have to take the dogs outside. Right. right? Exactly. I can't, I can't decide today. I'm just not going to do that. It's a form of a job. <laughs> exactly. So it helps with those um, restorative activities. Watch it, whether I, even if I'm just standing in the yard with the dog or taking the dog for an actual walk. Right, right. So now that you have lost a job, you took you down a path you didn't know you even needed, right? (laughs) Which is amazing how that always happens. What is next for you? Now that you have this book, you have your awards, what is next for you? That's such a great question and timely question for me, Erin, because of course I've done a lot more reflecting in recent weeks because my, you know, my book is out and uh, I've done quite a lot of publicity um, tour presentations. And um, it was, it was a good time for me to ask myself what's next, like you said. And the fact of the matter is that I love the work that I used to do in e-commerce retail technology. Like I, it was always exciting. It was always thrilling. And, uh, but the thing is the job market, I feel like is a little uncertain in the years to come. As much as I get asked a lot about the great resignation, I've been cautioning people that we're heading into troubled times for all companies. So I think there are likely to be more layoffs. It's, there's going to be more uncertainty before we settle down, whatever settle down means. 
Uh, I am now starting to do some consulting work. And I did get into retail and e-commerce through the consulting, management consulting path. So I am going back to it in some ways uh, in a different model where I can keep my hours and I can choose the projects. It's, it's exciting. It's a new way of operating, working, living for me. And, it's, and the idea of having multiple interests, like the book is going on, then you know, retail will pick up. I have some real estate interests. So I'm heading into a life where I have diverse interests, much more than before. And it's interesting, it's exciting, and I feel like there is, you know, more to come for even me to get used to. But the good thing is because I've got the book and because I'm getting into uncharted territories, it's like I have my own Kool-Aid to drink, to reflect. Yes, you have to prove to yourself, you have to walk. Right, and in many ways, I use the book to, the book's insights to write the book. Like the number of times I would do something counterintuitive, I would drop the subject, I would walk away. I would leave it instead of doubling down. I feel like life will give me those opportunities again. And I'm looking forward to implementing what I said in the book. Well, and I think what you're talking about also is the, if there's going to be a shift, and I don't think it happened in every um, career, but if I remember when I came out of corporate, I was shocked that there are, there were people, and this was, in 2012, so it's been a while, mm-hmm. um, I was shocked when I left corporate that there's a lot of people that wanted to live a life where they were doing a couple of different things, where they weren't immersed in an entire right. career and then they had family, right? Just two things, but that they had several different things. And I think that's only increased. I think that is, and what we've learned from the pandemic is there's a wide range of ways to do things, not just one way to do things. And if nothing else, I think what you're talking about going forward is the opportunity to create. What I love about it is you're deciding for you. You're not reacting. You're not following the path you're supposed to, quote unquote, but you're deciding for you what does your future look like what does work look like for you and then you go make it happen right right the interesting thing is when the pandemic first started so january of 2020 i had set out a vision and a set of goals for myself and i remember the the phrasing of the vision was i want to live a life with multiple sources of intellectual gratification and income like somehow this phrase was hovering in the air And I wrote down certain goals based on stuff I knew at that time that I'll do work on board services and I'll work with startups and I'll do retail work and so on and so forth. A book was not on my list of things to do at all because it was just just not in my my awareness. But how interesting that I was suggested, a friend of mine suggested write a book. And what is a book? It is such such a fabulous source of that intellectual gratification. Yes. It uses my brain in a very different way. It's this this interesting left brain, right brain mix that I have never experienced in my work. And I'm so grateful that I have that the way my brain is being used uh, and that I have the opportunity now to create, like you said, I think most of us do. We can now create a life for ourselves because, you know, remote work is possible and there are many career options. A lot of people are taking them. You can take a pivot but yeah, we, it's, it's as, as 
awful as the world appears to be, I think the silver lining is we can now choose to live a different life. Just like coming out of the 2008 crisis, the people yeah. you were getting to know in 2012 were starting to make those choices. Right. I think a lot of people will make a similar choice now. Well, we have the opportunity to hit reset without attached stories. We have the opportunity to hit reset due to an external circumstance. Right. People judging us and stopping where we right. And and like you said, not following the formula. We can create our own formula now. Awesome. This has been amazing. I'm really just so thankful for you sharing your insights and your thought processes and how you got there. And if people want to continue this conversation with you and especially get a copy of the book, it's so interesting. I know that I, you know, like attracts like, so I know I attract action takers. Right. And this is a great tool for thinking, how is this, how can I make this a little bit easier by making it a little bit different? Yeah, I think I'm supposed to do. I wrote the book for people who are very ambitious and driven and fully knowing that the ideas are going to be a little contrarian as in, (laughs) are you sure? Because I talk about laziness and procrastination as tools to drive results. I love hearing from people because I know some of the ideas are very challenging and difficult to accept, but then there are those who have, it's like their light bulb goes off in their head. They remember the moments in their life like me that, yep, it was a moment of reflection that got me that idea. So I love hearing from people. The book is in action, rethinking the path to results. It's available to buy online, wherever you buy books. And I am very easy to find. My first name, last name is unique. Yes. J-I-N-N-Y-U-P-P-A-L.com. Uh, So would love to hear from people either on my website uh, or DM me on any of the social channels, LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram. Awesome. Well, thank you. Thank you again so much for spending time with me today. Thank you so much for having me. It was so much fun talking to you. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Ready Yet podcast. I truly enjoy bringing these stories of success and inspiration to you. Please join us in our mission to empower entrepreneurs to be in charge of their businesses and in charge of their lives by sharing this with anyone you know who would benefit from our tactical and motivating advice, leaving us a review, and letting us know if there are any particular topics you would really appreciate hearing about. See you next time.